Welcome to the CCC News Podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the Annex, Mid-Columbia Community Action Council's Transitional Housing Facility. Uh, joining us today will be Rob Mendoza, the Regional Housing Operations Manager. Uh, he's had over 13 years of experience working in social services, and he's going to share with us a little bit about the Annex and how things are going over there. Wow, that sounds great, Cole. We also have uh, Joe Davis today with us. Uh, he's a retired Air Force uh, veteran as well as a software engineer who did find himself houseless in the Dallas area recently. Um, he's just done the, the transition from the pallet shelters now over to the annex, this uh, beautiful um, remodeled hotel that is, is working really well for folks who are uh, trying to get... Uh, into stable housing. So we have a heck of a program coming up, a couple of great guys to, to chat with. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's get to it. Are you registered to vote with the Oregon Secretary of State? Well, make your voice heard in the upcoming vote on a new school bond in the Dalles by going to cccnews.com. Click on the link to the voter registration at the top of our homepage. The last day to register for the November 7th election is October 17th. Make your voice heard. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, our first question here is for Rob. Rob, tell us a little bit about the annex. How are things going over there? It's going pretty well. We're in the construction process still. We just finished asphalting the family side, which will be opening October 12th after our grand opening. Um, we have 17 clients in on the single side right now where we have the capacity of 39 rooms on the single side with 17 clients right now. Um, we have offices on that side. We have a food pantry. We have laundry room um, upstairs and downstairs, as well as um, a bigger laundry system downstairs for us to do the blankets and stuff like that. Cool. So, so as I understand, when you're saying 17, those are the folks that who've kind of transitioned, excuse me, transitioned over from the pallet shelters, or correct. Um, there were 17 clients that came over from the pallet shelter to the annex, and I am very happy to say that we are having our first transition from the annex into permanent supportive housing for for a veteran. So. It's a huge win for us and for the client as well. Wow, yeah. Wouldn't that happened just recently? Yeah, he's actually moving in this weekend. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. Congrats. Absolutely. He's super excited and looks forward to the new, his new adventure. So it's super exciting for him and that's us. Cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you Can you tell us how many people have transitioned in permanent housing in the last year or so? Um, the last year from the pallet shelter, I believe there was about 112 to 15 individuals that went from the shelter into permanent supportive housing. Dang. So yeah. clear, clearly this, this definitely works. Um, there have been some significant changes, however, from the pallet shelter to the annex. Can you compare and contrast a little bit those two operations for us? Uh, are, you, are you really preferring the way the annex is running over the pallet shelters? Um, absolutely. Um, coming from a pallet shelter into the annex, at the pallet shelter, limited space, two mm -hmm. individuals, up to two individuals in the space. If you have to go to the restroom in the middle of the night, you have to walk outside your room and go to a shower trailer, right? Mm -hmm. So now, being at the annex, they're in their own room by themselves. They have their own restroom, their own shower. So 
closer. It's safer. People feel more comfortable. Yeah. Um, being in their own room by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, can protect their stuff. They can get their right. their belongings into a place where they feel comfortable. It's safe and everything. Absolutely. They have yeah. wardrobe containers in their in their rooms, so oh. they can lock up their stuff when they leave. They they're the only ones other than staff that have access to their specific room. Yeah. Along with the showers in their rooms and stuff like that, they can do their own laundry. Hmm. Um, they have a food pantry where they can get food on at designated times. Oh, um, nice. If they're struggling financially or something like that. So we get our meals for the clients through Meals on Wheels. Oh. Um, they provide one meal a day. Um, and then, yes, so... If somebody wanted to reheat a meal, they have a microwave in their room, and they also have a mini fridge. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the biggest points, though, is that we try to teach life skills, right? So we're trying to make sure that they're cleaning their rooms, and that consists of cleaning the fridge and the microwave. So it's been a it's been a great experience. We've only been open for a little over a month, but there's been no issues yeah. other than normal, you know, hiccups with opening new buildings and stuff like that you know but great everything's running smooth yeah like on that cleaning thing is that kind of like you got to kind of take care of yourself before you can get out there and and kind of re-enter the workforce and that kind of thing kind of absolutely um so uh, what i've noticed in my own experience being houseless is that um you don't really you lose touch with life skills right so we try to teach life skills from cleaning up after yourself to cleaning the bathroom to picking up a piece of paper off the floor and just throwing it in the trash can. So when somebody gets into permanent supportive housing, they're prepared, Hmm. you know, and we want people to be successful. And so the most, the best that we can do to support them, we we will do and we will continue to do so. So every day uh, we do uh, room inspections just to make sure that everybody's safe of course but you know that they're staying on top of their cleaning right and if they're needing help that we that we reach out to them and help them but at the same time if somebody's room is clean for a week straight that's just showing me i don't need to go in their room every day you know i don't need to do inspections every day and this Mm -hmm. is more of something to help them and it's not like we're trying to catch them doing something wrong it's more how can we support you how can we help you better yourself? Mm. And Joe, you you moved in with those original seventeen that that moved into into the annex from the pallet shelter. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? What it was like for you? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, obviously very exciting. You know, the other place is your basic needs: heat, place to sleep, showers, stuff like that. The new place is it's much nicer. I mean, um, much more room, and it feels more stable. And actually, I think it is safer because of the perimeter mm-hmm. and some of the security walking around the perimeter all the time and the cameras. It's well uh, well monitored, so yeah, it's very it's a good place to get back on your feet. It makes you feel better about when you when you wake up, you feel better about yourself from the get go. Mm-hmm. You're starting from a little higher place. Yeah, <laughs> not that sure. the other is bad because I I don't want to dog that because uh, it serves a purpose as well, you know. Yeah. You know, if it's better than sleeping in your truck. So, yeah. But doing nothing but getting better. Right. So. Yeah, and I think specifically the words that you had said to me before is that you felt like you walk with your head a little higher. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So there's like a real like feeling like even in the body of like, ah, I woke up and like. 
yeah. a place that feels good to me um, and that feels safe mm. and is clean mm. and yeah. easy access to my own shower. I don't have to share with anyone. That's one of the biggest things. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not, it sounds so simple, but not having to go outside and carry your stuff through the gravel you know, yeah. <laughs> to the showers and hopefully no one's in there. And, you know. and you're employed, so I think you shared before, too, that because of your work hours, uh, for you, you would have to wake up before they were able to turn on the hot water. Right, right. right. So, yeah, it was brisk. <laughs> you had a cold, yeah. cool shower. Yes. It was a short one. It was a short one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so this is much nicer. So, yeah. so, Joe, how long were you over at the pilot shelters? Oh, two months. Two months? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. about two months. Yeah, yeah. very good. And those uh, were about an eight by eight or so. or mm. like. I'm pretty small, so yeah. my size and, is <laughs> You can't reach across them. Yeah. I can't, but. So you probably more than quadrupled the space you have. Absolutely. By moving over to the annex. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, and and that probably helps you out just on a daily basis. Uh, like, yeah, you can sit down and eat yeah. instead of sitting on a, a a bed that folds down, you know, and, and kind of hunched over and eating like that. You know, you can actually sit down in a chair, mm-hmm. and if you have paperwork to do, you can do that. Yeah. You have lighting and curtains. It's it's nice. You can open them up and see outside. Yeah. Very good. It's very nice. Yeah, you can see your truck parked on the street. I, I can absolutely look at it, you know, just open it up and look at it and go, oh, there it is. Because there was no parking at the pallet shelter, right? You it's had under to construction. Oh, at the pallet yeah. shelter. No, it was like, what, a, a mile away? Half a mile? Yeah, about a half a mile. Uh, felt oh. like a mile. Yeah. So you'd have to park your truck and then walk down to the pallet shelter to spend the night or whatever yeah, yeah. when you're getting, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was a, huh? got some exercise and yeah. a good tan. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'll live longer for it. So, Joe, I kind of want to speak to you a little bit about your experience of houselessness. You know, there are stereotypes out there about what it looks like to be homeless, about Mm -hmm. what it looks like to experience houselessness. And we really want to kind of look at this more as like each individual has their own story. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you are a veteran. You have a background and a career in technology. Um, can you tell us a little bit about about you and about what brought you here? Okay. Um, yeah, I was in the Air Force for four years. Uh, stationed overseas. Got back. Uh, the GI Bill helped me uh, finish my college degree. So that was great. And I uh, did software for 25, 30 years. And I guess because I'm 55 now, I don't know what it is. Midlife crisis. Is that mid? I don't know. But anyway. Hopefully. Yeah, like I said, I, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping it is. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I finally managed to find my sister that got separated from us. We were in foster homes. And uh, me and my brother and another sister, the three of us, went one way. And our oldest sister, Joyce, went the other way. Separated at a pretty young age? Yeah, I was five. Oh, uh, okay. And so I vaguely remember. But uh, our mother passed away when I was in England. And so the Red Cross found me. And told Joyce, you know, where I was. And so she sent me a letter and I lost that suitcase and it's oh. been lost for 30 years. It was at a roommate in Austin. Right? <laughs> and oh. I called him up and go, James, remember me? He goes, Oh, how you been? He goes, yeah. I have a suitcase of yours or it was a attache, you know, briefcase from yeah. basic training. You know, it had all kinds of papers and it's moved with me for four or five moves, survived a laundry room fire. And he goes, I'm going to mail it, and you mail it to me. And in that thing is the envelope for my sister Joyce, her last name. So I was able to find her, and we uh, talked for about two years. And finally I said, 
I got nothing going on. <laughs> so I'd rather be closer to family. Yeah. And uh, she has a ranch out in Condon. Okay. Her husband. So I got to know them. Worked on the ranch for six months. Got to know my sister. And that's absolutely fascinating. So, so your friend held on to this attaché, this briefcase for thirty plus yeah. years. Yeah. Took it on all these moves, mm-hmm. and it happened to contain your sister's last name. Yeah. So then you were able to track her down yeah. all the way to Condon. Yeah. On, fa- on Facebook, I go, "Do you happen to have a bro- two brothers and a sister?" And she goes, oh. "Yes." Because it didn't have her picture. It right. just had, you know, some uh, verses oh. or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. And she says, yeah, yeah. I go, I'm your youngest brother. <laughs> she's like, oh what? She found me. <laughs> she's Whoa. been looking. She's been looking, but she couldn't find me. Huh. So uh, it just so happened the stars aligned. So and, uh, 50 years later, you got to see her later. again? Yeah. That's amazing. So we're, we're huh. pretty close now. Huh. What brought you to here from Condon? Well, I was going to try to find work because I wanted to stay in the area. And um, it's closest here, you know, where I found it work. And uh, then I there's had more. There's more employment opportunity yeah, in the Dallas. Around, yeah, yeah Condon's what a town of about 500, 600, I believe. Yeah, so, mostly yeah. retirees, things like okay. that. There's the, the nursing home. Yeah, things like that. But um, not much going on there. So the commute, I got a job here, but the commute, a gas alone, would not be feasible. Oh right. So I was going to come home and sleep in my truck. You know, do what you have to do. Go really camping. Yeah, that'd be 120 miles round trip. You can't do that on Mm -hmm. a daily basis. When you when you came here, you're planning to sleep in your truck, um, Mm -hmm. but you found an alternative to that. I did. uh, um, His wife, Cara, she's wonderful. She's the veteran liaison for the community. What is it called? Community Uh, supportive services for families of veterans. Right. Um, I, I called the VA. Uh, line and they connected me with them and they and she connected me with her husband said I know a guy then she fessed up she goes he is my husband but he is a nice guy so I was like right. yeah <sighs> so yeah um, decided to do that uh, came at the right time yeah and I needed it and so Rob was able to help you with housing, get you know, the pallet yeah, shelter. Yeah, immediately. He's like, oh, when do you need it? And mm-hmm. uh, worked with us and nice. set up a date and moved in. Very good. You also maybe had some assistance in finding some, some employment for, for Joe, right? Or I know a guy. You know a guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a guy he knows, that knows a lot of guys. I like that. Yeah. Um, I reached yeah. out to a friend of mine um, that he, he does work at Toyota, and I put Joe and him in contact with each other, and, you know, Joe went out there and did his thing, and all I did was put two people together in the same room. Joe's the one that got that job, and Joe's the one that's keeping that job, so. Yeah, so I think it's um, one of the misconceptions, you know, that a lot of people who are homeless don't have jobs. A lot of things you hear for a lot of people is like, get a job. And actually, a lot of people that are in the program at MCAG have jobs. Um, so thank you for, for showing that and showing up in your truth with us today. Sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's, what's next for you? you have, you're in this transitional housing mm-hmm. situation. You have employment. Um, you managed to get your emotional support animal to come and live with you. Yeah. Uh, and things are kind of looking on the ups um but what what's next for you um move out i mean that's that's the goal uh uh, after job is 
uh, stable and I know how much I'm going to be able to afford, you know, rent-wise, there's no reason why I, I won't be moving out. So that is the next step, the final step for that. And then, you know, I'll just be in the area like I wanted, you know. Cool. You're, you're liking the community. You like the Dallas. I really do. Yeah. I really do. Everyone's been really, really nice. I made some really good friends very quickly. Wow. And I was yeah, really, yeah, I was like, wow. Huh. It's amazing how friendly people are. And they remember you. Like, even at the convenience stores, first name basis. Hey, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Julie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the Chevron next to work, because I'm always in there getting sodas. And so, uh, in fact, I lost my military ID, and I couldn't find out where I lost it. I walked in the store. I hadn't been in there for a couple of weeks. She goes, Joe, I think I have something for you. You dropped it over <laughs> over there. She oh. saved it for me and remembered who I was <laughs> and just brought it up and go, oh, here. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about the Dallas, too. Yeah, it's just that, that would never happen in Dallas. Camaraderie you seem to have. Because it's a small town. You can really get to know most people. It's mm -hmm. kind of amazing. So, um, Rob, how does it feel? You've got another one looking to, to be moving out. Well, somebody comes in and, you know, we help them get into permanent supportive housing, right? So, But we want them to be prepared, right, for longevity. We're not just trying to send somebody out like, hey, dude, we got you a place or help you get into a place for six months. That's not the long run, right? So we're mm -hmm. trying to make sure that we're following through with checking up on clients as they move out um, because things happen, right? Mm -hmm. Things happen and situations change. So we want to make sure that once somebody leaves, um, that we're still in communication with them, right? So in case one of those negative situations arise, we're there to help them if we can. Mm -hmm. And if not, then we give them the resources that are available that they can um, take advantage of when huh. needed. Yeah. Nice. So that's like a checkup every one, once a month or something like that or a couple every couple of weeks or... <sighs> It just maybe depends on the person? or Yeah, absolutely. depends yeah. on the person and the situation. A lot of the clients that we've dealt with or continue to help, we're in constant communication, right? So there's always letting us know if there's a need or if there's a situation that arises. Yeah. But I will, I will say this. Like, I mean, all this stuff started when Kenny LaPointe came to Macaque, right? I mean, mm -hmm. all the big things that we're doing now are like, because Kenny and, and the team come together and find this funding to help people, right? So we got, because we got the Gloria Center opening in February 2024, mm. and we got other projects, right? So this isn't the only thing, and just Kenny at the wheel, man, it's just like, he gets the, he finds the funding and you know he's this is his passion can you speak a little bit to uh what is next for mclemy community action council you have a few things in the works um i would just talk about the gloria center um the gloria center is being constructed as a one-stop shop right so it's like center for living we're gonna have all these different agencies under one roof so um, we'll be able to do warm handoffs from intakes to say, okay, you need services over here. Well, let's go talk to Isaac or from DHS or let's go talk to Jeff from CFL. So it's all going to be, to me, it looks like a lot of warm handoffs instead of like when I worked at one agency and right next door was a, you know, a, a medical agency that they had to go to for an appointment. And once they leave our door, they take off. So this mm. way it's like, Oh, we'll just 
walk you over there. Right. You know what I mean? Just so right it, down the hallway. Absolutely. And so wow. it's going to be a okay. lot easier to go. Um, and then the pallet shelters that I'm they'll be there in the back, right, for inclement weather, fires, uh, emergency situations as well. So at some point they might be able to be utilized for that. If you look look at the spectrum though over the last 3 years, the amount of work that has been completed on um, in this and in, in social services and houselessness is really amazing, truly. I both the Gloria Center and the Annex and and those two in working in combination um the Dalles has gone light years in three years uh, when addressing uh, the fact, uh, or when addressing um, folks who are looking to get off the streets and back into stable housing and addressing, you know, whatever it may be that's, that's uh, whether it's a mental health issue or an addiction or whatever it may be. Thank you, Rob and Joe, for joining us today. Um, and thank you to all our listeners for joining us to the CC News podcast. Uh, we're going to take a brief break to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with uh, this week's top news stories. Thanks, gentlemen. Uh, thank thank you. you for having us. All right. Support local news. Did you know you can make a difference in your community's economy and culture by supporting local journalism? Visit our Support Us page at cccnews.com to subscribe to a monthly donation to keep news local and start making a difference in your community today. Yeah, so uh, readers have selected these, so here we go. So that's right. So first up, on October 12th, Mid-Columbia Community Action Council will host their grand opening of the Annex, Transitional Housing and Shelter, formerly known as the Oregon Motor Motel. The formal grand opening will take place at 11 a.m. at 200 West 2nd Street, Dallas. On a more somber note, a citizen discovered skeletonized human remains in a wooded area near the 200 block of Bates Road, White Salmon, on September 28th. A scene investigation was conducted by the Klickitat County Sheriff's Office and the Washington State Patrol Crime Scene Response Team. The investigation is ongoing. Anyone with information is asked to contact Clickatack County Sheriff's Office, Sergeant Eric Anderson at erica at clickattackcounty.org. And in other news, North Wasco County Parks and Recreation has advised the public that salmon are spawning in Mill Creek in downtown the Dalles. I noticed that uh, you took a little trip over there, Cole. Pretty fun, huh? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed seeing the salmon splashing around in the stream. I don't think I've ever seen a run that big. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, who knew, right in Little Mill Creek. Yeah. Uh, And in more news on uh, North Wasco County Parks and Recreation, uh, the Sarosa's Park Rehabilitation Project has hit a new milestone today. Uh, Parks and Recreation has successfully secured an Oregon State Parks grant amounting to $420,000, which will cover 60% of the estimated $700,000 replacement cost for the treetop playground structure at Sarosa's. Um, North Wasco County uh, will cover the remaining 40% of the cost, meaning the project to replace the treetop play structure is now fully funded. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I've grown up here in the Dallas. Cirrhosis Park's always been like my backyard, and I'm really happy to see that they got the funding to replace that park. I know a lot of families are going to be happy about that. Spent many an hour with my kids up there for sure. Yeah, that's great. And finally, last week, a nonpartisan political action committee called Save Wasco County was formed in the Dalles. The newly formed PAC has been formed by those seeking to find and fund a campaign for a challenger against current DA Matthew Ellis in next May's Wasco County District Attorney race. 
Wow. Well, that's the roundup for today. And to our audience, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your thoughts, questions, or any local stories you'd like to hear more about. Drop us an email at podcast at cccnews.com. Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this, please like, subscribe um, at cccnews.com. Until next time, this is Cole Goodwin. And Tom Peterson. Signing off. Thank you.